Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Cards Cast, a weekly podcast from Cardinal Authority. I'm senior writer Michael McCammon here with publisher Jody Demling. It's been summer. The summer break is over, Jody. It's time to the season's about to kick off, so it's time to kick off a whole new season uh, for the Card Cast. And you know, so our initial plans were we were going to be pretty much talking about fall camp and getting ready for the season. But a bit of news broke this morning. Uh, I mean, you were one of the you were amongst the the quickest to get it out there. Uh, that Chris Mack handed a six-game suspension um, from President Neely Bendipudi and uh, Vice, uh, eight, you know, Athletic Director uh, Vince Tyra. So certainly big news uh, on what uh, was initially going to be a football day, but certainly big news out of the basketball camp today. Yeah, definitely. That you know, the suspension. A couple things to cover here. I was just posting uh, uh, on the board. Uh, uh, the suspension will cover. Uh, November the 8th, which is which is the day before uh, that we have Louisville open in the season against Southern University, and it will run uh, through November 27th, which is November 27th is the day of, uh, is that Saturday, that's when Louisville will uh, get back, from what I understand, that'll be a 10 a.m. game in the Bahamas, if Louisville makes, if they win the Mississippi State game, they'll play at 10 a.m. Uh, in the Bahamas on on the November 27th, and Coach Mack will then be back that be back with the team the next day. So when Louisville returns from the Bahamas, so he'll be back for the Michigan State game in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. By the way, just a little, a uh, couple of little nuggets to throw out at you. That means he will forfeit his pay for that time, two hundred twenty-one thousand dollars in compensation. And from what we understand now, nothing has been made official yet. But from what we understand, Mike Pagese will be the acting head coach uh, for uh, the Louisville Cardinals during that time. You know, Jody, and to me, uh, this is obviously, you know, makes an impact. I mean, the initial reaction from just about everybody was like, whoa, that, that's that's pretty harsh. Um, you know, and, and that's a discussion, I guess, that could be had, but to me, maybe the most impactful is the fact that he can't work with the team throughout this. You know, you mentioned no pay, so obviously, if there's no pay, there's no work. Uh, but you know, missing that such a huge gap at the very beginning of the season seems to me that could be the most immediate impact uh, that we see from the suspension. I'm curious to see how things do progress with uh, Mac basically at home. Uh, you know, writing out the suspension. Yeah, and and again, it's. Um... There's a lot of things to unpack here. We don't have really the, the time to unpack it all. Uh, but, Michael, I, I think one of the things that maybe uh, gets kind of lost in this is the fact that, that, uh, that not, not only does he not have any contact, Michael, but he doesn't have any, um, he doesn't have any, uh, any, any contact on the phone. So he can't even talk to 
uh, the other guys on staff, uh, his players, what, 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 whatever. He cannot even talk to those guys. Uh, uh, and, and, and that's, the, to me, that is the, uh, the hard part about this whole thing, in my opinion, for this team, is that uh, it starts right at the beginning of the season and, and he can't have any contact with them. It really makes the next, you know, from, from basically Monday when next week they'll go two practices a week. So basically from, you know, the end of August until the beginning of November, it makes these next couple of months just very, very important to get everything going in. Uh, again, no contact with the men's basketball coaching staff or student athletes during the suspension. Yeah, and, and you know, and you mentioned – back for the Michigan State game. Well, imagine, I mean, that's kind of flying blind into a season that's, you know, already been kicked off and against a really tough opponent. I mean, that's, that's a tough way to come out of a no contact, no pay, no, you know, don't even be around six-game suspension. I mean, that's, that's quite a task. So, like you said, you know, the time leading up to the, this beginning um, has certainly become a lot more vital for this basketball team. Yeah, it has, and uh, and and when we when we, we really look at it and break this down, I mean, that's the other thing. The other important thing to remember on this is um, is eight newcomers, you know. So, so Michael, it's going to be hard for the newcomers. It's going to be hard for the the staff and the newcomers to get everything kind of together and going at one time. Um, but but yeah, it's it's the way. That's just the way it is right now, and uh, and, and and I think. Um, you look at this team, and, and it's going to be important for some leaders to step up. You know, Jared West is not a he's a is a new guy, but he's not new to the uh, the listening and being kind of a, a leader kind of guy. I think he's going to have to step up and be a a big time leader for this team. And Malik Williams is going to have to be do what Malik Williams can do. So, you know, we heard statements today. We heard from Vince Tyree. You can check that out on the front page. We heard statements uh, from Neely Bendapudi and from Chris Mack. Um, and, and, and quite honestly, Michael, I think it all boils down to this. I, I don't know. I mean, from what I understand, you know, President Bendapudi, from what I've been told by several people, um, President Bendapudi um, was, was close to um, or, or said, you know, in her mind, she could have, she could have terminated Chris Mack. Um, and, yeah. and, and I think that probably – was the extreme, and I, pro I think probably six games was the least that they were going to do. Um, uh, so it, it's interesting to see what this does with relationships moving forward. It does, you know, and that, that brings up a, a couple points, and we are going to get to football. I mean, that was the initial plan before all this no news broke uh, this afternoon. We actually have uh, Ben Garrett, who works for omspirit.com, the, the, the site on the 247 Sports Network that covers Ole Miss. So we're going to be chatting with him. Uh, later on in here in the cards cast, but but Jody, um, a couple things. Um, one, you know, what does this do from you know, as as we know with Chris Mack, I mean, we we get to interact with the fans quite a bit. You know, we see what you know the emotions really and how they're trending. You know, just on the message boards at, at Cardinal Authority. Um, how does this suspension? Because the reaction so far has been like, you know, okay, Chris really may not deserve six games. It's kind of been all of a sudden people are starting to you know, look at things maybe a little bit differently. So I'm curious to see what the reaction from the fan base will be that was kind of divided, you know, just a couple of days ago on, on Chris Mack, uh, what, the, what the reaction will be at Louisville Live, at Churchill Downs, um, really his, his next 
big opportunity to interact with with Louisville fan base. I'm curious to see what that moment's going to be like. Yeah, I am too, and I think it's. I think you're right. I think we've gone from what what happened. How did you do? Why did you do this? You taped what to did Chris? You know, now getting six games and it being more like oh, like you don't deserve six games for that. And yeah. look, can I, Michael? Look. This is no disrespect to – look, Chris said, if you listen to the audio, which is on our message board, if you listen to uh, and hear what they've had to say, we haven't heard from Chris's side yet, first of all. That's a that's a big thing. We really haven't heard from Louisville's sure. side on the whole thing, and that's that's a huge thing in the whole grand scheme of things. But when you look at um, at what was said and, and done about that, you know, that meeting that they had on that Sunday is a big center point, centerpiece to all of this. You know, and, and Chris said, you know, I want to get rid of this player, get rid of that player, get rid of this player. Look, it, it might have been said the wrong way or it might have come across a different way, but I can guarantee you that happens in every coaching staff meeting in, at the end of every year for every team that doesn't win the NCAA. You know, especially teams that don't make the tournament. You know, it was a very emotional time. Yeah. And, and we know from watching and seeing on, on our message boards, you know, how emotional that time was. You can only imagine what, you know, the coaching staff was was going through. So should they have had that meeting a, a couple of days later or should they have had – should something else had been said or a way that it was said? Yes, probably so. And I think you live and you learn. But Chris has said over and over, you know, at least four times since this happened that, you know, this is the first time he's ever had to fire someone. And unfortunately, it ended up in, in this. And, and I am very intrigued to see – not only the relationship between, because I do think, look, you win games, you win games, and win game, winning games is going to help help take a lot of uh, uh, of the pressure from fans or administration or whatever off. You know, if you win games, the pressure turns off. But I think the fact of the matter is that uh, that this also puts some pressure on Neely Bendapudi and on Vince Tyree. Uh, for for kind of what they have done and, and how they have handled this situation. And I'm interested to see what the relationships between, you know, Neely and Vince and and, and Chris and Vince moving forward uh, uh, will be. That is going to be something that we're, we'll continue to monitor. And it's not something that we're going to know right now. Everybody can say what they want right now and, and oh, you know, we're all good and everything's good. Well, you just suspended your coach for six games and um, – you know, it it's it, it'll be interesting to see how it all works out. Yeah, there's gonna be some there's gonna be some ripple effects. I mean, how does it impact recruiting? You know, another thing that you know that we're gonna have to you know monitor as the weeks and the months go by. Um, does it impact relationships that Chris Mack may have uh, with with recruits? So um, I think this is something that even it, it's just you, we're talking about six games. I do think it's an ongoing story to monitor. You know, as the progresses and Chris does make his return. Uh, you know, to the sideline. We'll have more. I'm not sure when, um, you know, we will talk to Coach Mack again. He was in a really good mood on uh, Tuesday night at the at the Cardinal Caravan. Um, I have since, uh, after today, piecing together the timeline that, you know, he he knew he knew then, which uh, kind of is, is interesting that he was in such a good mood on Tuesday night. Uh, but I was told that this kind of all, uh, some meetings took place last week, and, uh, and and he actually probably knew on Tuesday night. He took, you know, he talked to the staff 
uh, late morning today, and uh, in, in, in they had a coaches staff meeting kind of thing. So it's uh, Michael. It, it's <laughs> I, I get it for people. It's it's like it's never ending for Louisville fans. Oh, I mean, it's it, it, it's it is just fun. it's like it's not going to go away. Um, at some point or another, all this is going to end uh, on. Uh, uh, at some point or another, all this is going to end with all the NCAA stuff, with all the other things, and we're going to have a normal year. It's just a matter of when is that going to happen, and would you just please let it happen soon? <laughs> we're uh, it's, it's fatigue. You know, I would rather the roller coaster be, you know, the thrill and agony of defeat throughout the season, not during the off season and off the court stuff, and you know, and whatever. So, you know, I look forward to the day of knocking on wood that it does arrive. But um, do you want to squeeze some football in here before we say goodbye? Um, I should say before we bring on our guest, uh, Ben Garrett from omspirit.com from the 247 Sports Network to get a little insight uh, on the Rebels. But, uh, Jody, we've both been at fall camp a, a couple of times. We've been able to put our eyes on on some of the guys. And, you know, it's a little bit different not being able to see them every day, but we have had the opportunity to see them a few times uh, you know, since fall camp has begun, um, I guess a quick response on how you feel, you know, unsure, positive about where the team is as they start preparing for Ole Miss? Yeah, I'm positive. I'm positive. I'm, I'm uh, cautiously optimistic. There you go. And uh, I, I, you know, look, two years ago, I didn't feel great after I watched a couple days and I got to see a few things that, uh, uh, you know, at, 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 at practice and hear some things. Last year, I felt much better. This year, I kind of am in, 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 in the middle a little bit because the first week I didn't feel as good. The second week I felt really good. So I'm going to kind of split the difference and split the middle. And I'm going to say that uh, I'm cautiously optimistic about this team. I think this team has a chance, um, you know, to, to do and repeat what they did two years ago. They will have to win a lot of close games, and they're going to have to uh, take care of the ball. If they do those two things, I think they can do what they did two, two years ago, and that's win eight games by getting to, you know, getting to a bowl game and winning eight games. I think that is possible. Um, but I think it's very, very, very small room for error, and, and uh, I think defensively Louisville is going to be led this year. Uh, the team's going to be led this year by the way the defense goes. Yeah, you kind of, you know, took the, the, the direction that I was going to go as well. You know, I'm feeling pretty good about where they are. But as you said, you know, if there, there's a slim room for, for error. Um, and, and I think, you know, I think they do overcome some of the turnover issues, both offensively and defensively. I um, mean, they dropped a lot of potential interceptions last year. I think both of those things move in a positive direction. Um, and, and that says a lot for, for a success that you can have on the year. I'm excited really um, – if there's a position group that I'm really excited to see and how it blossoms um, is the safeties, the two transfers. And, you know, and, and I think that's, I think both of them make a, a great addition to, to a very thin safety room, but uh, overall, um, you know, I do like Louisville's chances to get to, to seven or eight wins this year. And, and we'll dig more into that uh, in a future podcast uh, next week, a future cards cast to so make sure you check out that uh, before we do bring on our guest, Ben Garrett again from omspirit.com. Uh, do you want to throw a little plug? Hey, if you're on Facebook, go give Cardinal Authority a follow and a like, and that way you'll get all our content uh, that we produce as well as some national stuff. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, I'm excited to bring on our guest here for this uh, Cardscast podcast. Trying to get a little more of an insider's look on, in Louisville's season opening opponent, Ole Miss from omspirit.com. It's uh, the guys do a great job covering Ole Miss on the 247 Sports Network. Welcoming in Ben Garrett. You can find him on Spirit Ben, at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Appreciate you taking time out of your schedule today, Ben. Thanks, man, for having me on. And, um, yes, I know that the Twitter handle sounds terrible. Uh, <laughs> Spirit Ben, it sounds like a really knockoff superhero or something. But, you, you know, I ride for the Old Miss Spirit, and it's kind of stuck, unfortunately. So I walk around at Oxford sometimes, and I hear, hey, Spirit Ben! <laughs> and uh, no, nothing's worse than being being called Spirit Ben on the street. But hey, we we do what we got to do. That's right. It, it's it's a tough life sometimes. But uh, um, first, you know, to get things started, uh, really, I mean, can you believe uh, that we're getting this close to finally uh, kicking off the twenty twenty one season? I mean, September sixth, eight p.m. is not gonna. It's it, it's gonna be here before we know it. I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I actually feel like it's taking way longer than I expected. Usually, about this time of the year, I'm like, oh my god. Football time, you know the grind of it. You're, you're in this thing day to day. But uh, I, I just feel like it's kind of time at this point. I mean, camp has got become a little bit of a Groundhog's Day type of deal where um, they're not doing anything particularly different or special. Yeah, they talk about, oh, well, turning toward Louisville. No, it's just about playing Louisville. And um, I, I will say it is the best time of the year, though, because not just because football, but just everybody just um, – is excited for it to arrive and then the NFL and everything that comes with it. Uh, it's just, it's just a different time of the fall and um, I'm ready for it because it's been hot as hell over here in Mississippi. And not to mention also that um, uh, I feel like we haven't gotten a break at all as far as sports writing because heck man, the, you know, the major league baseball draft was in mid July. So I'm still in work yeah. mode. You know, I never really took the summer. So yeah, I'm ready for football. I'm ready to get it going. And um, this is the best time of the year to do it. You know, and everybody has hope. Everybody, you know, they, they can they can imagine, yes. they can dream that that they're, this is the year for their program, you know. Everybody is undefeated in August. Everybody is an internal optimist in August. Um, reality doesn't hit until about, oh, mid-September. But, hey, you know, right now hope springs eternal. That's right. You know, and sometimes, you know, we can, we can learn, we still learn a lot in week one. And that week one is the, you know, that cross-conference con meeting, meeting at the Chick-fil-A kickoff bowl in Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Monday, you know, the, the final game of the, of the weekend for college football, as I mentioned, going to be on ESPN, kickoff 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, one thing is most likely certain, there, there's gonna, we're going to see some offense. I mean, you guys are entering the second year of the Lane Kiffin era. Went five and five last year, including us capping the season with a 26-20 a win over number seven Indiana. It's strange to say every time I say it um, in the Outback. Well, not that, not that Ole Miss won, but Indiana at number seven. But no, um, no I'm, I'm with you. I mean, Lane Kiffin though he came there and and things offensively got pretty exciting. Is that pretty much what you're expecting to see continue in year two? I do. Um, I I think that there is a real likelihood that they take a step back. I don't know what that's going to look like because last year they were as good as you can possibly get. I think they were um, first top three in the nation in pretty uh, pretty much every major statistical category. And their worst statistical category, you can't call it that, was 
um, their average rushing yards per game, which was 26th in the country, just outside of the top 25. So they did everything they possibly could do to be a top offense, not only in the SEC, but in the country. And they returned 99% of their passing yards and 97% of the rushing yards. But Elijah Moore was such a huge part of what they did offensively last year. While everyone talks about Matt Corral, and justifiably so, rightfully so, because he is the most productive returning quarterback in the SEC, they really centered their whole offense around Elijah Moore. So to not have him is a big deal. However, they showed when he opted out of the final two games of the year last year to start to prepare for the NFL draft that this offense can still hum along without him. Um, but no one person is going to replace him. The, the thing is, though, is I don't think that they'll necessarily be the offense that is averaging close to 50 a game and uh, track meeting everybody, they're going to need their defense to come along to help them. Because I do think that, yes, a step back might be, okay, well, we, we fall a little bit here or there as far as rushing attempts or maybe passing yards per game. As long as Matt Corral kind of gets uh, corrects what he's been working on, which is not having those blow-up games, they had two really bad blow-up games, um, they're still going to be every bit as productive. But I think that it's hard for them to really get better than what they were last year. And when you remove the the greatest part of their offense and lives more, it makes it that much more complicated. And I, I just don't think expect, expectations should be, okay, well, they were this good last year and they returned pretty much everything. You know, just got to kind of look at what they lost and, and how they prepared last year and how they went about their day-to-day week or week-to-week um, preparation. And also, their schedule's really tough. It's really, really tough. So um, offensively, I expect them to be great from day one. They've been great. Uh, since they started practicing in fall camp, um, really no drop out, drop off at all from what they did last year. However, um, you, you can't dismiss how good Elijah Moore was. So being able to actually see that in action, see that, and, and also Royce Newman. Roy, Royce Newman is a kind of an underappreciated Ole Miss Rebel in that um, he started for three years, and now as a rookie fourth-round pick by the Packers, he's about to start at guard from day one for the Packers. So at right tackle is Jeremy James, and um, – He's every bit the NFL prospect as Royce was, if not a better one at this stage in his career. However, losing guys like that, you are going to feel it. Now, being able to push through it and then um, build on it and have guys step up, that's every single year, and I expect that to happen for Ole Miss. But um, I don't think their offense is anything to worry about. I think the number one thing that's been the number one thing since fall camp started has been the number one thing since the season ended is um, defensively. Are they going to be improved? Because it's not like they have to be a top 50 defense. They just can't be in the 120s yeah. and be at the bottom of every statistical category in college football. Louisville still digging itself out to, you know, a couple of years removed from, from similar numbers defensively as well. Made mm-hmm. a good jump last year. Um, you know, and, and often you'll see that in year two of a, head, uh, you know, of a new you know, head coach. I mean, the offense, especially when it's the co- head coach that's offensively minded, can get ahead of the progress of the, you know, of the defense in the long term, but uh, yeah, so, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, the defense last year uh, for you guys really struggled. Um, what's kind of been, you know, the word coming out of camp on how they are progressing and, and are the expectations on the rise for that group? I do think that they're on the rise, but I mean, that's a very low bar. And, and I'm not trying to be <laughs> the jerk about it, but I mean, come on, man. They, they're in the 120s in pretty much every statistical category. They couldn't stop yeah. anybody. Um, they did get better toward the end of the year. I'll give them that. And they played pretty well. Their, their best game was against Indiana. But Indiana didn't have an offense that they face every single week, week in the SEC. The SEC is pretty much spread offense, high-powered, high-octane offense after high-octane offense. So um, I think the start of camp 
wasn't very encouraging. And the reason why is because, um, yes, they did pretty good work in the spring, but they were without some guys. And then you got an influx of new talent. That takes a little bit of time, especially guys that like a true freshman or a Tyson Johnson, for example, or Markevious Brown that you're going to rely on. True freshmen are unreliable, notoriously unreliable early in fall camp. So I don't think you can really gauge much. And they got absolutely destroyed by the offense in the first scrimmage. I think the offense scored six on six of eight drives. But then after that, they started to win more. And um, I think it can be a little bit misleading, taking away things from practice, fall camp, fall camp practice, because, okay, what well, does that mean that the offense isn't as good or the defense is getting better? I don't, I don't know. But I will say that they have shown encouraging signs and um, they've stayed healthy and they've got an influx of talent. I mean, I think they have the best defensive back depth they've had since 2016, if not earlier than that, 2014. Um, now, a lot of it's young, but it's really talented. I mean, they signed a tremendous recruiting class in February, and they've got two impact junior college defensive linemen coming in, and Isaiah Eitan and Jamon Gordon. Um, linebacker, they lost Jacquez Jones to Kentucky in the transfer portal, but that was more – who's their leading tackler last year? But that was more for Jacquez seeing the writing on the wall and that they brought in a transfer from Maryland who led um, Maryland in tackles and Chance Campbell, and he's effectively the exact same kind of player – as Jacquez Jones, but he was handpicked by D.J. Durkin, um, co-defensive coordinator with Chris Partridge at Ole Miss. So um, I, I think linebacker, they've got veterans as far as Lakia Henry and Momo Sonogo. Um, and then on the back end, I think that influx of talent, as well as having guys like a Jake Springer who had to sit out last year after transferring over from Navy, eligible, Otis Reese for a full year. They did get better once Otis Reese was finally cleared by the NCAA um, with a few games to go last year. So having all of those pieces, as long as you can stay healthy, I do think there's some optimism. And I think what gives them optimism more than anything is, yes, there's still a lot of the same names and a lot of the same pieces, but the upside is so much greater than it was last year. I think it was kind of capped at what they could be, and the floor was so low. But now when you look at the talent, you can see it. It's now about can you bring it together and make it viable week in and week out. And um, I think that from day one to now, if you if they if they had stayed the same place they were in week one, yeah, you'd have gone okay. You're looking at the same thing all over again. But now I, I think that um, they've certainly held their own, and if they and I think that they're more opportunistic. I think that um, they're causing turnovers or or they're getting to the quarterback at a more regular, consistent rate. Um, the defensive line is the biggest question mark, just because they don't have the same kind of depth as they do in the defensive backfield or even a linebacker. But um, I do think there is. They've injected this team, this co this coaching staff in that recruiting class, injected this team with um, significant upside. I call I like to call them lottery tickets. Lottery tickets that, if one or two pay off, yes, you could see a tremendous turnaround for this defense. And I'm not talking about top fifty; they just need to be in the eighties. Yeah, and that's still a tremendous turnaround. But if they're in the eighties, now you're talking about an eight win or more team potentially because the offense, as we know, um, is going to be good, especially with Matt Corral being a sleeper Heisman candidate. Yeah. Um, again, we're joined by Ben Garrett from OMSpirit.com, the, the Ole Miss site on the 247 Sports Network. Go check out uh, his content. They do a great job at uh, OM Spirit. Uh, before I do let you go, I guess maybe two questions left uh, for you, uh, Ben. Um, obviously, it all the, the offense all begins with your quarterback, and you've mentioned Matt and, 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 and as, a, as a sleeper Heisman candidate, actually, just a couple minutes ago. What makes him so special, especially those who really haven't uh, seen him perform uh, during the season last year. Uh, what makes uh, Matt so special at quarterback? Deep ball accuracy and deep ball arm strength. Um, he can take the top off of any different defense. He's not 
a big kid. I mean, he's six feet, um, but the arm is massive. And um, I think this offense with Jeff Levy and Lane Kiffin um, kind of unlocked what was always there, the potential for him. He was stuck in an archaic offense under Rich Rod and Matt Luke that was effectively West Virginia from the late 2000s, whatever it was, with Steve Slayton and uh, Pat White. Now Matt Corral's in an offense that is a modern offense. Um, their motto is score from far. They want to take shots. But the most important thing, the biggest growth he's made is he understands that not every play is going to be there. He understands that as long as you're moving the offense, as long as you're gaining yards, if that means even checking down for a couple, as long as you're moving, you've got more opportunities to score from far. So for Matt, I think what makes him so good is just how far he's come from a maturation, uh, from a maturation, maturation point of view and also from his ability to channel what makes him so good, his deep ball throwing, um, but not try to take chances when they're not there. Because two of the biggest games last year that um, for him, I think that provided the biggest boost of confidence and showed that you are the guy standing behind you always is those two games where he just six interceptions, five interceptions. Because if you look at the interception rate, it was only two games. And um, the Arkansas game was the first blow-up game, six interceptions. And that's terrible. That's objectively terrible. Yeah. But Lane Kiffin didn't take him out. He kept, he kept him in there. He stayed behind him. And that was huge for him because Matt Corral for two years was so used to looking behind his shoulder. And he was the starter as a redshirt freshman. Went to SEC media days with Matt Luke. And yet when he went down for injury, he never got his job out. And now to have a coach that said, you're my guy, I'm standing behind you. I think that was a huge uh, mental boost for him and, and showed him that just go out there and, and trust the process, trust yourself and trust what we told you and trust how we coached you and the results will come. And that's where he really grew and took off. And every single week it was pretty much the same thing. Now he's going to have to do it more on his own as far as he's not going to have a, a safety security blanket and Elijah Moore there for him. Now, they got numbers at wide receiver, and they've got good numbers. But Kenny Yabo's not there either at tight end. Um, I, I don't think he's not even remotely close to the loss of Elijah Moore. But I, Matt's the unquestioned leader in face of this team, and he knows it now. A lot of that has to do with the support of his head coach, an offense that is tailor-made for what he does well. And what he does well is takes the top off of defenses with his arm strength. But he knows now – that that's not there every single play, and to just keep moving forward. And um, that, that's what makes him so good. And that's what makes him such a good NFL prospect now is because he knows how to look at what's in front of him and take what's there and also has the ability with his arm, his deep ball accuracy, when the deep ball is there, when, they, when he does have the opportunity to score from far, more times often than not, he makes the throw. And that's what makes Ole Miss so dangerous. And they have receivers that can actually haul in those passes and get there, get where they need to be. And it helps that John Rice Plumley converted from quarterback to wide receiver is also in the quarterback room still to where Matt's can control everything and they talk about those things. And the, he basically he's got uh, an assistant coach in the wide receiver room with John Rice. So everything is kind of around Matt Corral, but he's embraced it. And what makes him so good is that He's been able to wear that and, and know that and um, still been able to perform. And it's not allowed, and not allowed it to 
um, take him out of what, what makes him so good, which is being able to take the top off the defenses. So I expect a huge year out of Matt. I'm, that's the one thing. Ole Miss will go as far as Matt Corral takes them. So the number one takeaway for Ole Miss here, Matt Corral's got to stay healthy. Because if Matt Corral doesn't stay healthy, well, that's a wrap probably. But Matt Corral, um, he is Ole Miss football this year. It's, it's no one – and every, anyone in, in and around Ole Miss football will tell you that. I mean, you got ask any player or coach, they'll say the same thing. So, yeah, Matt's um, Matt checks every single box except for size. He's not a huge kid. But he is the perfect prototypical quarterback for college football in the modern college football game um, that you would want. And uh, he'll be a challenge for any defense every single week. I think it's a, a great point that you brought up about, uh, you know, Lane showing confidence in him even, even after such a horrible – uh, you know, outing and, you know, and, and many times you'll see, we see kids coming out of high school all the time. They'll have all the talent in the world. Um, but unless they feel that confidence coming from their coach, or whatever, you know, cause if you're looking over your shoulder, that can really impact your, your game, your, your, your throw. I mean, every aspect of your game. So that's a, that's a great point that you bring up. Uh, before I take, let you go, Ben, um, real quick, uh, what kind of, obviously we're still kind of in a unique world. Uh, what kind of support do you anticipate to the Ole Miss faithful, Heading to Atlanta for the football game. Oh, I expect it to be huge. Ole Miss always travels well. Yeah. Um, so I expect it to be huge. Atlanta is like a second home for Ole Miss fans, and uh, th- they'll definitely be there and show up in, in strong numbers, assuming that they can show up. You know, we don't. None of us know anything about um, attendance numbers for any any stadiums outside of uh, a few that have announced vaccination rates and proof of vaccination and stuff like that. But um, if they're allowed to come, I expect Ole Miss fans to show up in droves and. Um, I expect a great game, too. I, I think it's a great kickoff to the season because um, I know that there's games, obviously, before these, this game. But the Ole Miss and Louisville will have Monday night to itself, to themselves. And I think that uh, that's two teams that have a lot of pride and that have a lot of name recognition. And um, I, I expect a really good game. I, I don't know who's going to win. I don't pretend to be some expert. I, I try to avoid predictions and stuff like that. But the one thing I think I feel safe in predicting is that um, Ole Miss fans are going to show up because they're excited. I mean, you got to remember, man, uh, before last year, they went through a lot of crap for a long time. Yeah. And to get the success of last year and for the excitement that Lane Kiffin's brought, that rejuvenated feeling of Ole Miss being able to actually go into a year believing that whether or not it's going to happen or not is immaterial. But believing that Ole Miss can win every single game it plays, they haven't had that feeling since 2016. So um, that that's the exciting thing for Ole Miss fans, and they're going to want to take care of take advantage of any and every opportunity to see this team in person. So I expect big numbers for them. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, uh, you know especially being on that Monday, as you mentioned. You know, uh, it's it's the final game. All the eyes are going to be on Monday, Monday Night Football's Louisville Ole Miss, and I think I think like you, I think it'll be a, a pretty exciting game as well. Ben, appreciate you taking some time to jump into the cards cast again. Want to thank Ben Garrett from OM Spirit. Uh, dot com for joining us here in the cards cast great stuff uh some wonderful insight on on the rebels of Ole Miss Louisville's season opening appoint, uh, opponent will be taking on the Ole Miss in the Chick-fil-A kickoff again on Monday September 6th final game of the college football weekend 8 p.m kickoff going to be on ESPN um and, and like Ben as I mentioned yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty exciting um season opener um really excited to see uh, the the continued growth of Brian Brown's defense, um, the kind of rebuilt a little bit, especially if, if at least at re, re, at least at running back and wide receiver, 
uh, kind of rebuilt a little bit on offense. Looking forward to seeing how Malik does work with uh, really a new cast of wide receivers and uh, and see what the backfield can produce. So a lot of things to look forward to, obviously. Um, Mr. Obvious talking here. But again, thanks to Ben Garrett from omspirit.com. Again, you can follow him, which he's, his coverage of the season opener will continue to grow as the game gets closer. You can follow him or check him out on Twitter at SpiritBen. So again, appreciate uh, Ben Garrett. Uh, before I do let you go, a reminder, if you haven't seen him yet, uh, we're currently going through the uh, Louisville football position series. We've gotten through most of them already. You can find them on the homepage at cardinalauthority.com. Also take a minute to sign up for our free newsletter. All the content uh, that we produce and more uh, straight to your inbox. Um, and, and you'll never miss a beat. You'll have it all covered. So for Jody Demling, I am Michael McCammon. This has been the Cardscast. Appreciate it. Keep clicking at cardinalauthority.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.